Hey Steve, it's Jody and my son Quinn out here in Alberta on our first bike packing trip. Just wanted to give you a quick shout out and say thanks for all the information that you pass on through the Back 40 podcast. We've been planning this trip for, oh gosh, probably t- two years now. Done some backpacking, but this is the first time we brought the bikes out and did bike packing. Uh, it was definitely a learning experience. It's a pretty long slog out here with with some big backpacks on on our backs, but uh, you know lessons to learn for sure. Having a great time so far, sitting out by the fire tonight, eating supper, and a big owl floats in, just lands here and looks at us. Just absolutely amazing. Quinn, anything you want to add? I'm just really glad I can be out here with my dad and be doing this stuff. Oh gosh, did someone pay you to say that? <laughs> awesome. No, thanks, thanks, Steve, for everything you do. Um, you know, like I say, lots of learning to happen, and I'll keep listening and hopefully get some, some more tidbits on how to make this more and more an enjoyable experience. Pass it over to you, Steve. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Jody and Quinn, fantastic that you guys got out for a ride. And uh, I'm glad I could facilitate that in some way by bringing information to you that helps you along your journey. I know um, I haven't been bikepacking for that long, really. But I know that uh, when I plan to kind of get into it and, and do my first event, it's it's daunting, man. There's so much to know. And, um, and uh, it was hard, you know, even a handful of years ago, it was hard to kind of find really good information. I thought it was anyway. Um, but I, uh, I did, I dug around, did some YouTube sleuthing and sleuthing around online on the internet and, you know, talking to people, listening to people, seeing what they do and what kind of gear they use and, and the experiences they had. And, um, yeah, life is just learning, man. This it's just another aspect of life. It's just learning. We're constantly learning every day. So, uh, I'm glad I can, I can bring some information to you and it's useful and I dig it. If you want to send me a voice intro like Jody and Quinn did, you can, you can just email it to myback40podcast at gmail.com. You can send it and I'll get it on the show. Love hearing from you guys and girls. <laughs> I love hearing from everybody. It's so fun. And I, you know, I, I live vicariously through your adventures and uh, keep them rolling in. And don't forget, include your address when you email it to me and I'm going to send you some stickers. So the lost elephant is a week away and uh, I don't know if I'm nervous. I think I should be more nervous than I am, but I've been having a good time building the bike up, doing some shakedowns on it, and uh, it's it's going well. Like I said last week, I dropped a gear, and uh, I've been going out for some light rides. Actually, you know what? I, I've been following the Whoop Strain Coach. Whoop doesn't sponsor this podcast, but I'm so fascinated by it, um, and uh, the information it imparts basically on your, your day-to-day, what, how your day-to-day habits reflect your fitness and uh, recovery it's pretty awesome like yesterday you know I, I had a bad not a, not a great sleep you know not a big ride the day before i've just been topping up my uh, recommended strain every day so the whoop coach or the strain coach will just tell you hey you know what based on your recovery and your baseline data this is the kind of strain you should hit and uh, so i've been going out for these little rides and i've i've realized that i think i'm overtraining all the time like when i go out for a ride it's always, it, it sometimes feels very desperate. It's like, I've got to go out. I've got to ride for two hours and I got to fucking pin it or I'm not going to get fit. And, you know, until you actually see the data displayed for you, 
it's quite interesting. So, you know, it's like, oh, you need this much strain. I went out for like a 45 minute ride in a t-shirt and I was like, okay, you're good. And you know, you go back and you feel good. That's not to say that you shouldn't go out and overreach from time to time. And and for instance, last night, apparently it's reported that I, I'm, I'm like 97% recovered and my sleep efficiency was like a hundred percent and, and you're ready for like 20 points of strain. They have a scale of uh, one to one to 21. But it says, hey, you're ready to go. But I'm, I feel like I'm tapering a little bit for the race next week. So I don't want to push it too hard. I just want to go into it recovered. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on. I'm not focusing on the strain anymore. I'm focusing on recovery. And, uh, you know, I've always thought I was a really shitty sleeper. But once you get the data, it's like it's not it's not really I'm not that bad of a sleeper. Um, but I've been following some protocols, you know, going to bed at a reasonable hour and, um, maybe taking some supplements, uh, melatonin, namely just melatonin, something kind of light. Uh, I took 10 milligrams last night instead of five and, uh, I didn't really feel like it kicked in, but if you look at my, uh, my data, my respiratory rate was super low. I was super chill last night and I feel quite rested today. So fascinating technology, man. What a world we live in. I've said that a number of times with technology, I can, slap a wearable on my wrist and and uh it just feeds all this data to me and and uh if if you're geeky kind of like i am a little bit i really enjoy the data i think you're gonna get something out of it i don't know if if you're interested in checking it out like i say they don't sponsor this podcast maybe this is called reverse sponsorship kind of reaching out to you guys telling people of the benefits of whoop and then maybe it'll come back uh as uh, yeah maybe it'll come back to me i have no idea but anyway um, really digging it. Super fun. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not, I don't know if I'm super nervous. I haven't really put the kit together yet. Um, I'm just, I've been thinking about it. You know, I've done a co- couple races and events and I kind of know what I want to bring and what I don't want to bring and how light I want to go and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been fun and I'm really looking forward to getting out there on the trail. And you know what? I haven't even decided whether I'm going to like really pin it and really put put the pedals down or if I'm going to just like back off maybe 10% or 20% and just maybe enjoy it a bit more. Um, it's not a long race, like 520. It's not, it's not super long. Um, it's going to be punchy. Um, and I really want to enjoy it because I don't get out too, too often throughout the summer for trips. So it's kind of like a mix of vacation and suffering. So I'm just going to try to find the balance in there. One thing that, uh, I need to put out there and I don't know if there's only, it's only a week out, but my uh, buddy James and I, uh, James is going to come and pick me up and we're going to drive down to Cranbrook uh, probably Friday night, uh, I think. And uh, we need a place to crash. And I know COVID's kind of lingering there, but um, we're cool with just sleeping in a driveway or in a front yard. So those of you who listen to this, hopefully listen to it during the week and uh, you have some space that you could put up a couple dirt bags. That would be great if uh, if you could offer us a place to sleep again. I understand the COVID thing. We don't want to necessarily come in your house. Um, it's whatever you're comfortable with. But yeah, if we uh, if you have a front lawn or a backyard with some nice grass and uh, maybe a driveway because James has a truck, he might just be sleeping in there. Yeah, let me know. Reach out, myback40podcast.gmail.com. I want to remind you guys of a couple of promo codes that are still running. Cycling 101 has their promo code 101VIP20 where you can save 20% off a consultation or a bike fit. Uh, bike fit super important. So I would, I would suggest if you're, uh, if you're not feeling comfortable on your bike, achy back, achy neck, um, shit, even like elbows, like, uh, you know, it could be anything from bar width to bar height, uh, sore ass, sore hips, sore knees. It's like all that stuff correlates with bike fit. 
So, um, yeah, if you want to get a bike fit and you want to do it through cycling 101, reach out, book it up and put 101 VIP 20 as a promo code when you check out and you're going to save 20% off those services. I also have another promo code I'd like to share, uh, and that's Ryan for Knackbar. So if you head on over, if you head on over to knackbar.com, do some shopping, spend over fifty bucks, you're going to get free shipping. And if you use the promo code Ryan at checkout, you are going to get twenty percent off that purchase. So not a bad deal, man. Like those those products are pretty expensive in the store, and uh, it, they're no differently priced online. So it, you know if you use Knackbar product and you want to save twenty percent, you want to get a box of something. Yeah, head on over to the website. Use the promo code Ryan. You're going to save 20%. And if you spend over 50 bucks, you're going to get free shipping. All right. This week on the My Back 40 podcast, I'll be talking with Carrie State. And if you think we're going to be talking about K-Lite technology for two hours, you are incorrect. <laughs> when I first started this podcast, um, I wanted to talk about areas that interested me. And those areas were endurance athletics, bikepacking, you know, cycling in general, training, nutrition, and mental health. And this episode, we talk uh, at great depth about uh, Carrie's struggles with mental health through the last handful of years and what he did to circumvent that. I think we all struggle maybe at some level. I'm sure there's a huge spectrum of mental health issues. Obviously, there are. Um, I'm, I'm in that spectrum as well. I've been dealing with depression, um, anger, um, just just general uh, unsatisfactory life perception. And a lot of it, I think, goes back to, in, in my case, a really, really high level of negative self-talk. And I think that meditation has helped me see that a little bit. I'm not the most avid meditator, but you know, even the other day at work, for no reason, I could feel it coming up. I could just feel like I was getting pissed off. I was getting irritable. And I didn't understand why. And I shut the door to my freight room and I sat and I closed my eyes and I took some breaths and I took like not even five minutes and um, I felt better. I came out of it and it was like a reset switch. And I think that's what meditation provides is that it gives you that insight into being able to really listen to what's going on inside your head and those negative, uh, the negative rhetoric that can come up. Like you're not good enough, you know, you're not pretty enough or handsome enough or athletic enough, or you're just not enough. You're just not enough. And, uh, once if you, if you haven't meditated, try it a little bit. Um, there's some great apps out there and some of them you can really get for free. If you dig in enough, you can, uh, you can actually get the waking up app by Sam Harris. You can get that for free. He doesn't want uh, money to be an obstacle to anyone not being able to use his product and a valuable product it is. So, uh, look into that if if you've been thinking about starting a practice. Like I say, I'm not an avid meditator, but I kind of know how to kind of initiate it. And going back, that whoop strap, as soon as I finished meditating, my heart rate dropped. I watched my heart, heart rate go from like, you know, it was like 90 or 100 beats a minute for no reason. And then it just dropped during meditation to like my normal kind of daytime running heart rate, like 60 or, you know, high fifties. And then when it came back, when I came back out of that meditation and I got back to work, it was like 70. It just, it just, it's really, really interesting how you can uh, alter that with just closing your eyes for five minutes. But anyway, in this episode, we talk about mental health at length and we hear about Carrie's story and his struggles with mental health and what he is doing to circumvent it. And there are a lot of really good takeaways for it. I know this is a long podcast, but I'd really encourage you 
to listen to it in parts. You're going to hear Carrie's story and uh, we both kind of share. And I wanted to just in advance, I wanted to thank Carrie for his vulnerability during this podcast. It's hard to talk about our mental health issues. And um, like I said, I really appreciate his vulnerability and uh, what he shared. And yeah, so I'm, I think you're really going to dig this podcast. Just give it, give it a chance. Perfect one to go out for a ride with. So it's like, put the buds in, go for a ride. And you're just going to listen to Carrie and I shoot the shit about uh, mental health, riding bikes, kind of his background. Um, he's a smart guy, man. <laughs> he's He's got a lot of balls in the air. And it's, it's understandable why he may have some, you know, th- those stresses can really weigh down on, on someone. So uh, he's found ways to circumvent that. And he's going to share that in this podcast. So without further delay, I bring you Carrie State. Awesome. So I, I, I'm speak. I'm speaking into the future. <laughs> it's a weird concept, dude. Like, it's something about the time change in North America. It's fine, but even even coordinating with Ty, I was just like, so what? You're he goes, yeah, we're like half a day back, but it's tomorrow or something like that. <laughs> uh, New Zealand or Samoa, they get the they're the start, I guess. They get. They're the start of the international time zone, but on the future. Right. So whenever they look at stock market crashes, they always look at New Zealand kind of first because they're the first ones to wake up. I mean, they don't really because they don't. New Zealand doesn't really account for much in the whole scheme of things in that regards. But it's interesting. Uh, yeah. So that line starts at um, at Samoa. A little bit of a little tidbit. Useless fact there. Little info. <laughs> I'm full of useless facts. No, no. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, man. So it always just trips me out. So then when I was sitting down with my wife and uh, we had our, our vaporizer running, so I've been hitting it for a while. So I'm like, oh, shit, I got to talk to Carrie. Like, damn it. Oh, fuck, I'm so paranoid right now. No, no, actually, it's um, I, I probably don't do it enough, actually, during conversations. Usually I try to go in pretty pretty clean i don't know i'm just afraid i'm gonna say stupid shit that's why i don't want to do it right well so. i tried to ring you there just after a couple of hot ones and i went oh wait a minute what button do i push again <laughs> maybe i should have given it 10 minutes but uh, we're here now so. here we are so yeah it's awesome to be talking to you um i'm trying to get a hold of you for a while and then you went off grid and uh i totally understood all about that sometimes it's good to just unplug hey Man, it's, you know, what I do is outrageously hard on me. Yeah. And it's the most disappointing thing with what I do is I have to lay my life on, you know, lay my life along and not ride and, and, and just spend 100% K-Light for other people to ride. It's the biggest irony <laughs> of this business. And I, I certainly did it myself, so I'm not begrudging or regretting or anything. I, I do it to myself, and um, I understand what it takes and the sacrifices that need to be made. But, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's it's the irony of, of success, I guess, isn't it? The more everyone else rides, the less I ride, and every time I try to ramp up to the level that it's under control, it grows that and and just a teeny bit more you know so i'm always 
I'm always trying to make it so the experience is good. I don't like people, customers have a bad experience. And part of my nature, I'm going to call it at this stage, my nature is that I, I tend to be a little bit anal, a bit OCD about things. And I, I like to offer the experience that you know you would want you know you don't you want you want the personal touch you want the personal experience and um you know i try to do that to every customer and it it does take a lot of time and um recently i've been trying to up the ante with production and make nicer stuff and we've just put online these uh these new machines and they uh they do a little rubber over mold and that's taken me four years, <laughs> four years to do that little bit. Are those 3D printers? Is that what that is or something else? No, so we were on the 3D printers, but the, they ta- they're too slow for making thousands of, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. And you can only have so many printers. And then when you run out of time in a day, so when you're printing 24-7 and you run out, well, we've got to buy more printers. I've got, I got eight 3D printers in my house go, <laughs> you know, we've got more at work and it's just, it's out of control. I had to do something, you know, so we brought these big machines and we redesigned the whole product. So these over-molding machines, so they mold around. And so I'll give you a real quick, without going into it, 3D printer, five hours to produce the case. These new machines, uh, I think it's 1.53 minutes. Wow, that's efficient. Yeah, because it's just an injection molding. And so it's just, you know, um, it's rubber in this case that we inject. Um, so, yeah, boom, you know. And it's great. And the plugs are all beautiful and everything looks amazing. You know what I mean? But that one thing's taken me four years. Right. And before then... Before I was even getting K-Light flying, it took me six years to get even on the map. And that was six years of working two, three jobs, you know, all day, all night. And, um, you know, it's tough. And, and here's the lead-in, okay, here's the lead-in. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about mental health. I think yeah. now's the time. And, like, right now it feels like America's burning. Like we had our in Australia, we were burning. Now, right today, today, it feels like you guys are burning and you guys are going through something that's massive on a scale that is really unprecedented uh, in, in local history times. And I feel for you guys. I'm seeing some of the stories and like, you know, if now, if the fires, if COVID and all lockdown, if all that's not a time to talk about, mental health like jesus far out man like it's it's tough it's really tough and what i wanted to talk about is some of the things that i found out you know i mean you've got your ways of of dealing with whatever ills has been bestowed upon you um you've got your ways of dealing with it but some of the things i found out now a bit of background about me is I've been a bike mechanic and that's what I primarily are. And if I want to use an analogy, if, if I'm an organic robot 
right, my program is bike mechanic. And so that's the program I kind of my brain's been working like, and that's the way I've kind of got it wired. So if we think of the brain as, I don't know if you remember the synthesizers with all the cables that you can kind of patch in. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I don't know if you remember that. They, they were huge in the 70s. Yeah. And all these million cables that you'd patch in and get it all going. I honestly, when I think about my brain, um, I think of them kind of that way. And that's a mechanical way of thinking about it. And kind of that's that's the way my brain works anyway. And so I, I think like a bike mechanic. And so what I'm going to say it's all going to be referenced from bikes because I think that's a common, a common thing. It's going to be referenced from computers. So we all kind of mostly know the ins and out of computers. So I'm going to use analogies on kind of how I thought about what was going on with me and how I could break stuff down and kind of understand it and how I could um, kind of fix, repair, modify, whatever. Um so at the moment, I see a psychologist every month and we do cognitive behavioral therapy, C, CBT or anyway, CBT, yep. something, something like that. And that's basically they're a professional and then I sound off to them. And at, at the moment, we're in a good spot, whereas I'm kind of like asking them questions like, you know, hey, what about this? You know, da, 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 in the form of, you know, psychology, psychiatric practice, all that sort of stuff. You know, um, I like to take take a little bit of power back and kind of understand a lot of the kind of background knowledge, and and that was evident early on with bikes. You know, do you know much about my kind of early bike background? I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts that I've previously done. I'm going in pretty fresh. <clears throat> I just wanted to get to know you, so. Yeah, fill me in. So, so long story short, I wanted to be like a scientist. You know, this is a naive, I guess, 15-year-old boy that gets, um, you know, ripped, ripped out of my hometown on the sake of going on a holiday. But really what's happening is there's been a bit of trouble and we're fleeing the country. No. Like, I'm like didn't know like i'm just a kid eh? and so it's like oh you know pack up your shit we're just going on a holiday you won't need much so like all the friends that you know you grow up with since you well okay i was 14 and and just about to turn 15 and um all your friends that you grew up with until then you know you went to school with you know your whole life yeah. you, you're so small-minded as, as a child you just that's your whole world and then suddenly we're bouncing around, jumping into this plane over to Australia. And um, can I ask where you grew up? New Zealand, yeah. So, from, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, born in New Zealand. And um, so we're flying over to Australia, and so my mum's sort of, you know, jumping around and doing shit. Um, and basically ends up having to drop us off into Australia and keep going. So anyway, I'm in Australia and um, my parents were separated and my dad 
was was in Australia. So, of course, we we moved in with him, and that was pretty tough. Um, but long story short, you know, my dad wasn't the government didn't give them any money for us at the moment. He was living in a rural town. There wasn't a lot of jobs and. Uh, so he was on the unemployment benefit, but they didn't give him any money for the children because of some bullshit rule. So anyway, he had no money. And, you know, uh, I decided that as a naive 15-year-old, I wanted to save the world, you know, be a scientist. Isn't that novel? It's fantastic. <laughs> my, my boy wants to be a yeah. scientist. He wants to be a roboticist, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's the only job that's going to be available. So I, <laughs> I told him that too. I said, that we need you, buddy. <laughs> We need him. We need him. Um, yeah, so um, I wanted to be a scientist, help the world. New Zealand was nuclear free and, you know, pretty alternative green sort of look after the environment. They realized that without any major exports, they had to export tourism. And that was the New Zealand early awakening. And so they locked up the whole country uh, from getting destroyed. Uh, and that was early in on the realising that tourism was big. And so that was instilled upon me, you know, look after your country, blah, 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 blah. And I guess coming from New Zealand, I have that sort of green ethic. You know, I want to I wanna tread lightly. I, wanna, I want your kids to see shit mm -hmm. that I saw and, you know, I hope that can happen. And so I read all the science books and memorised all the books and, you know, I... I think I got 98% on some test somewhere or some shit, whatever. It's a test. And um, that enthused me, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do science. But the school I was at, they weren't really offering any courses that I could really matriculate to university on. And so I had to move. But I was too young to move. I wasn't allowed to move because I, I think I was 15. So long story short, I got my dad to punch me out, which meant that I w wouldn't be good to be at home. And, of course, he loves me, so it was kind of like a fake one with a witness sort of thing, and that allowed me to move. And so I moved town uh, to become, you know, a scientist. I, as naive as that sounds, um, yeah, that's, that's the very start that got me into this kind of bizarre twist of fate which i'm about to reveal in a mere second <laughs> that's super interesting that uh that um you know kids you stood by that you were like i want to be a scientist and that's what i'm going to be and you kind of followed that passion what did you have a particular avenue did you want it was it electronics or computer science or what was your bag well i, I just memorized all the physics books and all the text and so i kind of knew the data and I could kind of work stuff out pretty well. And I was interested in scientific method um, because the scientific method was a way to kind of really get the information as correct as a human can do. And so, yeah, memorized all the books and I thought, okay. Just lost you. Can you hear me? There you are. Okay. We're back now. I We're believe. back. Yeah. You said you. We're um, back. So you're right We're all... live. <laughs> We're, live. We're live. Live in the future. <laughs> So you uh, you read all the books. That's where we left off, and then yeah, read all the books and, and was keen to to um, be this great man. I wanted to be a great man, and um, 
they gave me, I think, uh, $67 a week. Yeah, $67 a week I could get on uh, a benefit to help live away from home. And I think my rent was like, you know, $50 or something. So I had like $16 for the week to live on. Um, so I just got this old bike that I found and kind of fixed it up and I'd ride to, to college. Um, it was quite a far away because it was a good college that I wanted to go to. So I'd ride this bike all this distance uh, up to the school and it was kind of like a bit more of a fancy school. And so I thought, okay, so I'll, I'll get this done. Long story short, um, I had a, got hit by a car and um, I was in hospital and I couldn't walk for a little bit and so I couldn't attend school. And I ended up um, getting my marks kind of averaged, um, bell curved. Yeah. So I didn't really get the, the uh, marks that I needed to get into university, um, which was a little bit of a problem. Um, can you just give me two secs? Of course. Hello, this is a future calling. <laughs> These are not voices in your head. No. Got this enough of those. <laughs> I'd rather listen to your voice probably than uh, the voices I have knocking around in there. Uh, what can I say? We're going to get there, <laughs> I think. Like, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so, um, where I left off was had a car accident. Um, I was in the bicycle. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't walk for a bit. My, my marks were averaged. And um, I did get a small. I think I might have got $5,000 when it all said and done because it wasn't my fault. And so the insurance paid out and I got $5,000, which was back then, you know, a good shot in the arm. Um, and because I like bikes, I, uh, I spent, I think, $1,000 on a bike, which was a crazy amount. It's probably a bit silly to do that, but uh, I, was a, I was a child after all, so child would do childish things, I guess. So um, I brought a bike and it had uh, Shimano XT thumb shifters and uh, BioPace, which I had to, I had to have BioPace. I don't, don't know if you've heard of BioPace. Uh, <laughs> Are they bringing that they back? Call it oval, they call it oval rings, I think, uh, these days. So, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, was, I was there and I had the AT4 bars, which are these kind of like, you know, this Scott eighty fours, kind of like aero bars in a mountain bike. Bar I had the eighty threes, the uh, the ones that just curved around. Yeah, 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 yeah mate. The, so those ones. we were the kids on the block. Oh you yeah, know man. What I mean, and I, that was the shit. And I, and I got this new bike, and um, it didn't work at all. Did not function. The gears didn't work. And so I took it back to the bike shop, and I said, oh, you know, can you help me fix this up, you know? And they go, oh, we don't do that sort of stuff here. We just sell bikes. And I went, oh, okay. But there's this other guy that does. And so they gave me his number. And so I went out to his bike shop, and it turns out, he's really full on, man. <laughs> really full on. <laughs> like, full on. Like, I can't. I won't turn on the intensity because it'll freak everyone out, <laughs> but like full on, just 
it's super, super OCD intense. And I was basically a homeless kid anyway. I had $16 to my name, you know, every week. And I was living on free food, you know. It wasn't good. And so long story short, this guy kind of took me under his wing. And he said, oh, dude, you're doing it pretty rough. Why don't you come and stay, you know, with us? And uh, you can fix bikes and blah, blah, blah. And so suddenly I'm thrust into the world of, of bikes, you know, at 15, you know, or 16 probably then. And um, it was pretty amazing. Like these guys, they were nationally ranked. The guy in question, Ian, which is a super amazing guy, the full-on one in a good way, you know what I mean, um, he was ranked number three in Australia in mountain bike racing and his mate Graham was number one and his other mate was whatever and all their mates, you know, were either world champions or aspiring world champions or whatever, you know, like <laughs> it was crazy. Like I was working in a bike shop with a little guy called – uh, Michael Rogers, you know, and he was just a little kid, 13-year-old kid, you know, come in and and want to finish and they'd go, no, get out there and do another 100K, you know what I mean? So he was getting tortured uh, <laughs> back then, you know, and then there was the, the Rogers brothers, you know, and there was Dean Rogers and Michael Rogers and, you know, there was a whole family of cyclists and then the town I was in was a cycling town, you know, and it was such an amazing culture. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with some of the American cities that are quite bike centric, you know what I mean? Oh, it ends up being, yeah, yeah. It's been quite a, a big movement and everything's bikey and all the trails are bikey. And, you know, when the trails get named, then, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I live in Invermere and it's slowly becoming a Mecca for, for biking, certainly in the West. Like we're right on the border between Alberta and, and BC and we get a lot of influx from Alberta, but, um, we have a, we have a really mm. long riding season, really short season here. So yeah, we're very bikey here. What, what a great, um, what, a, what an interesting path you were given. Like, it's almost like that right place, right time kind of thing, you know? And then you get sucked into this world. Like you, you could have been guided any direction in life, but you were sucked into that particular world it's pretty awesome I, I i believe there is often the right place at the right time but we can't see it mm. because we're blinded yeah we're but not that's we're not paying attention thing. yeah no often um and and so i'm thrust into bikes in an ocd manner and so what i'm setting up the story here is who i am essentially so i've learned from this ocd guy for 25 years man him and me built 10 bike shops bloody bike franchises bloody hundreds of thousands of bloody repairs like like just you know i've built probably five thousand wheels or something ridiculous you know it's like i've just been going hard for 25 years going red hot fast you know and we've worked on the Olympic teams and the, the 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 big races and the Australian Institute of Sport and you know we had some you know good gigs and awesome. some high profile riders that we would do and out of our shop I think came two or three junior world probably two junior world championships 
uh, dudes and, you know, just young guns at the time, just making it big back in the early days, you know, when you yeah. kind of could. Nowadays, it's a bit different. Um, so I, I was surrounded by bikes. It was like, <laughs> oh, man, it was fucking mega. Eh? It was Paradise. fucking mega. Man, I think I tested the very first suspension fork that came into Australia. You know, we were the dudes, you know. And, um, you know, dudes would come from all around and they'd get their bikes rebuilt at our shop. So they'd get a new bike, say they wanted a, another brand. They'd get a new bike and they'd deliver the box to us and we'd go, dial that in. Yeah. Dial that in. And we'd, like, explode it, you know, totally explode it and just go over everything. And this is another lead-in, you see. So what I learned is that from a really humble beginnings, you can do a little bit of a, oh, yeah, yeah, and get it dialed in. And that was slightly better than the next guy in the next tent next year, right? And so then your, your guy, he's got an edge. You know, you build the wheels with a little bit more sprawling. And so, you know, you've got a lively wheel and, doesn't go out of dish or out of true and you know it's all about that extra little little trick that extra little attention to detail you know that really makes a difference and i think that's what the ocd person that's what they're like and i learned that and so again setting myself up when i was a child yeah broken home violence nasty shit you know and i'm probably a bit broken from that okay so you've got you know life a little bit as a homeless person you know broken home but not you know not so bad but like enough to kind of like wig you a little bit and then have to skip country and then you know and then live by yourself and blah 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 you know people have had a lot worse i'm not complaining it's what made me you know, and in a way, I'm really thankful because I think that sort of stuff can break you and make you, yeah. you know, uh, share it does break you, but in the end you decide it will make you. And sometimes that's a conscious decision for me. Um, I wasn't thinking right. I wasn't thinking successfully, or I wasn't thinking in a correct frame of awareness. I wasn't thinking to be not depressed, you know. And once I left bikes, I, I knew I couldn't be anything else. And what happened was I made this discovery, right, um, this electrical discovery that allowed me to produce the brightest light in the world. And that's the start of the K-Light story. And that was happened in the old life where I was a bike dude. And so me being a bike dude, you just do everything yourself, you know what I mean? Um, or you, you don't do it. And so I was really into getting in there and checking out what's under the hood myself. You know, I had my own little techniques of how to figure out what was wrong with the bike. So I think diagnostics is a really important thing, an important tool that I've used. And so if you're good at that, well, I, I, I say get in there and have a little look under your hood and, and, and see what's going on in there and seeing if we can, you know, patch a few things up. Because certainly after working on bikes all my life and seeing in my mind the pictures, I see pictures, I don't see words. I failed English. I, uh, 
I failed English. They said I was dumb. They put me in all the dumb classes and I was bored as fuck. And I see pictures, not words. And so I see, I see a slider. If you think about a synthesizer in my brain, I see a slider of how much tension I can put on the cable until it's max tension or how little tension I can put on until it's not tension at all. Okay. So that's a slider. I see the B tension. Uh, I see the L stop and the H stop. And I know that they can only go in so far. And there's a certain structure that I can see in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no Z stop. There's not that. And so there's only really two or three variables. And so how can I get the most, most out of those variables? Okay. You tinker, you figure it out. But firstly, you need a really good way of diagnostics. You need kind of a scientific brain. And for me, I call it divide and conquer. So I, I divide the problem up and then try and conquer little aspects of it to get it to kind of talk to me and tell me kind of at least kind of what angle it's coming from. And then I can kind of assassinate the problem a little bit easier. And often then I can get it to work. And so that's just a little trick that I learned. But that diagnostic ability is, is very handy. So for me, as a bike guy, I learned that. And that's the way I think. And I think from a very bike-centric or mechanical aspect to when I do my work. Um, and so one of the big things I realized is if I thought about my brain as a mechanical or organic mechanical type device, because um, it is in fact an organic machine. And I really wanted to figure out just like I could fix a bike, could I fix my brain or could I at least kind of hack it or modify it or help in some way because suddenly and we're going to jump forward here and then you're going to catch up with the story where yeah I've been working in bikes for 25 years but I knew I'd be there forever and my body was just fucked like my left arm just doesn't work my shoulder because I've turned that many cranks it's just, it's crunchy and poppy and it's just, it's rooted and my wrist is rooted and I built that many wheels. I haven't heard that word for so out. long. I haven't rooted for so long. Cause I used to work in Whistler <laughs> with Aussies, right? Oh man, it's just uh, rooted. Aussie. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt. That was just funny. Shout that, out to the Aussie boys. That, that took me back. That was funny. <laughs> Mate, Whistler, Banff. Is there any Canadians there? I'm not sure. I don't think I so, didn't man. See any. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. totally interrupted. So you're you're broken from uh, just all the years of working in the shop. Yeah, and just being the race mechanic, and when everyone's gone to the events, you know, great. Kerry gets to stay and work at the bike shop. Great, you know. Um, when everyone's out racing, you know, Kerry gets to look after the bike shop. You know, great. Woo, love that. Um, and I'm just thinking, is this ever going to end? Am I going to ever be known as anything but a bike mechanic? You know, and I was good. And I, I did a good job and everyone was happy. And I was a little bit sort of famous, but not like in a in a way, but just in a way that people knew who I was and they knew the work I did. And it was more because of this other guy was famous in racing. Mm. And there's just the race, you know, the race scene. It's just collects, collects other things 
other other people and uh so i had a little bit of a name for myself and then i invented this light this led light because dynamos and leds met together so leds were invented this was back in the early days we just had the little uh, incandescent bulbs um but now leds are invented and so i started mucking around with new lighting system in 2006 and i ended up finding this weird quirk, this anomaly in the way the Dynamo hub outputted its power. So I managed to get it to output a little bit more power than than anyone else. But it didn't make sense because on paper that shouldn't really happen. You know, what's, what's the principle? So, what's the principle you're talking about? Well, I can't go into it at the moment, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> just because it pertains exactly to the nature of uh, my business. Um, but what I can say is that when I did ask some the smartest engineer in the world that I could find in, in Dynamos, he said I was wrong. And he said it isn't possible, you, you know, you check, recheck your, your, your meters. And so I rechecked and did everything I could, but I, I kept getting the same results. and. Long story short, I'd found a little quirk. I'd found a little anomaly, anomaly, and it was to do with the, the, how LEDs worked and the way dynamos worked together. And because they were so new, um, it never really been thought of to try certain things. So anyway, LEDs were, still weren't very bright, um, but buoyed by um, my like for making stuff and. Previously to doing that discovery, I was going around the op shops and I was collecting little kids' toys, right? Like, I don't know if you heard of a, a speak and spell. Oh, yeah. E.T. might have used it and he phoned home. Yep. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Dude, I think um, I used it. Like, I'm 50. That's my generation. <laughs> man. So I, I started seeing these speak and spells. So I'm like, that's a dollar. And I'm like, I'll buy that for a dollar, right? And then I'd get under the hood and I'd... I would turn it into a DJ instrument <laughs> and I would get it to do all these loops and feedbacks and say all this weird stuff and get it to do weird rhythmical beats. Anyway, I was doing selling 10 packs, man. I was selling 10 packs of these speaking spells to dudes and places and like the dude from the Melvins has got one, Faith No More, Josh Abraham's addicted to bass. There's like there's so many people with these speaking spells that I built in the nineties, man, rocking out. I bet they're still fucking working and fucking ripping them still. <laughs> like like using for samples and stuff. Last, man. Yeah man, yeah. samples and That's live awesome. and I built this once MIDI came around, um well, MIDI's been around for a while, but I, I, I put MIDI in them as well so you could hook them up to your system and play them and all this sort of stuff. So um, so I was selling these 10 packs of, of these and I got really interested in selling 10 of. And, um, and then I figured out that LEDs and LED lights were coming in. And so I started making my first light was made out of a salt and pepper shaker and um, with a little LED in it. And I made 10 of them, and that kind of gave me the impetus. And I thought, screw this shit, I'm out of this town, even though it was a mecca for bikes, and I do miss that. But I thought, I'm never going to be anyone else, eh? I'm going to always be thought mm. of as that dude yeah. that's bikes. And in that town, I couldn't reinvent myself. So 
in a new town when no one knew me, I could be whatever I wanted. So I hooked up a job, um, went up there and ended up working in bikes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, you've got to make a crust. And So I was working in bikes and I was, I was doing K-Light as well. I do K-Light in the nighttime, you know. Um, and this is kind of painting the picture for the reason for our chat, you know, because suddenly I'm working big hours and I'm doing that for years and years, man. And I totally fucking crushed myself, man, yeah. trying to get this thing off. And so I remember my first pop, which I call it, where I just went, and I fucking just popped so i get i get racy and racy and racy trying to fucking do shit and get sped up sped up and i wind myself up and i'm fucking going really fast and like i'm coming home fucking working all day working all night and you know not riding because i'm working all mm, weekend yeah. and i'm putting myself in a situation where this is going to happen and so this leads to my first major point that i want to make for the evening and my point is that if you want to look at mental illness, you must look at the double aspect of mental illness. You must look at clinical mental illness and situational mental illness, situational depression. So I put myself in a situation where I was going to fuck myself and get super depressed, and I did. I worked myself into the ground. And I had a little pop, which is like just fucked me. I just got wound up and just got mad and angry and just kind of lost my shit. And I didn't do anything bad, but I lost my shit. And that kind of opened my eyes. It was kind of like the first time I lost my shit. And I put myself in a situation where this is happening, right? Um, and turns out, you know, normal people don't go speedy and fast like me it turns out i'm pretty speedy gonzalez <laughs> and uh when they had a bit of a look at it it's kind of it's got kind of bipolar sort of aspects to it and so they think possibly the mild bipolar um where you get a bit speedy gonzalez and then you get a bit depressed you know and so that's possibly the the what's going on and in a mild form, in a way that I hadn't noticed before, other than, I guess, we can call it, nothing had fucked up as much <laughs> for yeah. me to notice until the point where I've wound myself up, put myself in a situation where I'm working night and day, totally brutal, uh, and and I, I popped. And I realised, oh, okay, this is not good. So I tried to take a, a step back and I and I... And at that bike shop where it happened, the, the the boss's son was employed and he was this big gym guy and he wanted to fight me every day. And and as I was dealing with that as well. And it would be like, you know, oh, you and me need to fight. And I said, and why is that? And he goes, oh, because we can prove who top who's top dog. And I said, well, I don't need to fight you to know that because I can tell you right now, it's me, fuck <laughs> Let's go, let's get it on. <laughs> but like, just like, it's all boring <laughs> shit. It's all boring shit. And so anyway. That shit pisses me off. I hate that 
fucking peacocking. Oh, it's like fuck off. It's like I'm just trying yeah, to work. Just, I think it's natural. I think it's a natural um, thing that happens in young males. And yeah. so I don't really blame this guy. I'm sure he's growing up now, you know. But uh, uh, I'm sure he's he's a good guy now. Um, don't come and get me, please. <laughs> we didn't say his name. What's his name? <laughs> We didn't mention. So so I've left that job and I've thought, okay, what else can I do? I always go from bikes to electronics. I can always wrangle some electronic job, eh? Like I've got no ticket. I've got no bit of paper to no. say that I can do anything, right? So they go, what can you do? And I could say, oh, so I can fix anything. And they go, what do you mean? I say, I, anything, I'll fix it, whatever it is. I just fix it. Tell me what it is. Just send me there, I'll fix it. They go, what, without trading? I said, yep, <laughs> send me in there, I'll fix it because I can fix shit. But that's what I do. I fix shit. And um, so it was, uh, do you know poker machines? I don't know what they call them over there. Slot machines? Like, yeah, slots, yeah. Yep. Were you programming those? Yeah, man. I'm the dude. <sighs> More spare parts in my van than anyone in the company. But I fix shit. <laughs> and I was the top guy straight away because I fixed shit, man. I fixed it good. And I went in there and smashed it up. It was good. Um but again, I was working big hours there. Then suddenly, they'd be like, "Oh, dude, you need to start at three a.m. at this club because they got to work there when they're not open, and you need to install all these machines." So suddenly, I'm hauling these big ass machines around, like freaking heavy machines, and um, odd hours. And when I looked at on the side, when I looked at some of the things that can really cause depression, because I looked. I did a lot of research, uh, and some of the things were uh, lack lack of sleep, mm. and so that's a contributor when you're when you're dealing with this. So I had a, a lack of sleep issue. I was doing a lot of miles because I was in a vehicle, and sometimes I might have to go to a rural area to fix some machines out there. So I was doing a lot of driving, and I found that quite tiring. Um, now, this is the part of the story that is going to get a, a bit. Um, interesting. Um, science have told me what I feel is uh, not correct. Uh, and I could be imagining it, and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but uh, what I'm about to tell you is very interesting. And all I ask is that you try it and you see what happens. Now, I know placebo works 30% of the time. So if in fact it does work, well, even if it is placebo, fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> Happy with that. Um, and so uh, working around all these machines, I was uh, around a lot of um, electricity a lot, and I was inside the these big machines. I'd be working on ATMs, um, hole-in-the-wall machines that give you money. Um, and, and they're massive and, and big banks around electricity all the time. And I became really tired and when I look back for the first time, I became quite depressed and I didn't know it at the time. Um, but I would just turn on myself. I'd go, oh, I'm a loser. And I'd just, there'd be this kind of like tape running through my head. And it was when I got really low and, and really tired and really run down and lack of sleep and working K-Light. You've got to imagine working K-Light all night as well. So if I'm not on fixing pokies, I'm working K-Light. All this driving. Uh, so I put myself in a huge multi-piled situation where I can get depressed. Like if I am not clinically depressed, 
man, it didn't matter because I was giving myself in that situation where I was definitely going to cause something to happen. And I'd spent so much time on Kaylight, I just couldn't let it die. I thought, no, fuck no, I'm not going to let it die. It was just, it'll be all the sacrifice be a waste. You know what I mean? And so I just kept killing myself, working all these jobs. And I got to the point where I was so run down that I remember being in the shower and I remember being, I couldn't, I couldn't stand in the shower. I was so tired. And so I would sit and have a shower and I knew that something was going to come, something was happening and I didn't know what it was, but it didn't feel good and it wasn't good. And I was really depressed. And I remember felt like my brain was kind of flipping and I was about to lose my fucking mind completely and have no, and just be gone. And I just fought that feeling and I just held it, held it, held it. So, and just somehow, somehow I didn't just totally lose my shit completely forever. Somehow I did and I held it. And I realized that that job and what I was doing was, that was all over. I had, I, that was it. You know, I had nothing else than my mind. Uh, and I was ill and I think I was, uh, having to come home and be sick and having a lot of days off. And I, and I was really depressed and I never really realized it. And in the end, I just thought, well, I've got to stop. I've got to quit doing what I'm doing. And so I believe there, I'd put myself in a mega situation that was causing depression. So my point is there's a huge component in depression and in mental illness of situation. If you're homeless, you've got the right to be fucking depressed. If you're fucking in this situation, you've got the right to be fucking depressed. Don't argue with the feeling. Mm. You must note it and go, yes, I, I'm allowed to be. Fuck this shit. I took a marijuana because I was fucking depressed. Fucking feel better now. And I'm not going to be hard on myself. You know what I mean? Because I've got every fucking right to be depressed in my situation. But you can't let it define you. You must note it. You must go, okay, I'm going to note that and I'm going to note that, you know, I'm allowed to feel that way. I'm not going to feel stigma and I'm not going to feel shame for the feelings about mental illness. I'm not going to feel pushed upon by other people's attitudes about what they feel about mental illness. I don't give a fuck what someone else thinks about it and if it's shameful. Mate, there's nothing wrong with it. The biggest man and the toughest man, they cry. It's 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 normal. It's I call it the curse and <laughs> the and the wand. You know, it's good and the bad. You, you know what I mean? It's a gift. You said to me a while ago, uh, when we were chatting and uh You'd said you you you're always doing stuff and you don't listen. So I'm I'm saying like you know you, you probably haven't listened to the podcast. Maybe you have. I cry on this fucking podcast all the time, and I cry out on the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Like I I get I get emotional and things move me. And people who know me really well, um, know like I'm right on the border right now telling you this because I'm looking at your face and I'm telling you this, and I feel like we're kind of. There's this connection, even though we're thousands of miles apart, but I totally know what you're saying. It's like, and we're brought up, I don't think I was, but a lot of us are brought up to squash that and to not display that and to be afraid of feeling that way. And, um, 
you can't be a man. Like that's that alone is so unhealthy to hold back these deep emotions. We can call that first step, can't we? That's the first step, isn't yeah. it? You've being, got to call out, it's being call it out for what it is, yeah. and then be okay with it. And so you're not gonna you're not gonna wear the stigma from the other fuckers. You're not gonna wear their hat, their hat of shame. You're not gonna wear it. Mm. Flick that hat of shame off because it's, it's you don't need it. You don't need other people's judgment. And so you've got every right to be depressed, and you should say that to yourself. I've got every fucking right to be depressed, right? Once you call it out. Once you call its name, it shall be gone. You call its name and it shall be gone. So basically we've talked about the fact that situational depression and clinical depression, they work hand in hand, okay? And so situational depression is a thing. So when we work on our lives, we've got to look at our lives and go, am I putting myself in a situation where I'm getting depressed and having mental health issues. And I guarantee you there's, yes, <laughs> most mm. people haven't even thought about it. They're so used to getting pushed upon by the world of what they need to do, what mm. their role in society is or what they want you to be. They want you to be a fucking cog in a fucking wheel, man. Yeah. They need that to make the money for the whole machine to work. That's how it works, and where the oil, the dispensable oil that gets ground up in that for corporations to keep on doing, and it all feeds back. We want it to happen. We go to the crappy Kmarts and the Walmarts and buy their crap, and we keep it all perpetuating. We hold the biggest power in actuality. Mm -hmm. If we stop buying, it doesn't be there after time. But we get back to situational depression, we get back to how you've got to have a scientific brain and it's about the voices or the tapes. I call them tapes. Because it's so the same shit every time? <laughs> it's the same fucking shit every time. It's B side or, or, yeah. or the D side, right? Yeah. And it's calling you. It's calling you a loser and you fucking it's doubting you, right? And that's constant, right? And so if I can fix a bike right? And if I can make this cool scientific discovery that no one else had fucking looked at, I suddenly have got the confidence to say, well, I fucking can get under the hood of my brain and have a bit of a see what's going on. So I read these two books. It was about how the brain worked. It was about the physiology and the how the brain worked. And this guy was super smart and it's called the plastic brain or the brain the highly plastic brain or something like that. And Norman, Norman Douglas or Norman Dewartz, it's a, it's a, it's a Norman with a D in the re, in the last name, two books that he's got. And they're based on the science that's already been done. And then his personal research on top after doing 30 years of the science and some of the experiments that he tells me, or I read in the book uh, were uh, stunning absolutely stunning um and that formulated some of the reasons why i can kind of think about way the brain works and so what it says is you've got limited space in your brain and that we have to jack in via these uh, pathways that recreate and mm. so when you're born um the stimuli that you receive from birth uh, creates the pathways that then you operate from 
And so your original operating system is built of a reflection of your original situation. Now, if that original situation is fucked up, man, mm. that means your original operating system is going to be fucked up. And you've got to know that straight up. You've got to know that as a depressed person, some of your thinking patterns, they're wrong. And they're not conducive to success. They're not conducive to moving forward and sorting out your bullshit. They're not. And so you've got to rewrite them. Now, you've just got to put better ones over the top. So you've got to just talk to yourself back. And you've just got to be really affirmative in how you say your actions. So thought, word, deed. This is something that I read. Thought, so we want to think about the good things and think about the positive affirmations and then word, write it down and then deed, do something about it. And so when I did K-Light, I realized that I could bring something into the future by using those things and because it's a proven way of doing it because I was so fucking depressed, man. I thought, what am I going to do? And so I looked into all these elements and it turned out that my brain was fully plastic. And so I could kind of hack it. I could kind of rewrite the way it worked and you've got to kind of trick it. And so for me, I have like a, I had a high and I had a low cycle. And what I realized was because my brain's so overactive, I need more of certain stuff, more food of certain types. Mm. And I've discovered this by going to my dad's house and he's pretty alternative and he ate kind of alternative food. And then like suddenly, bam, I'm fucking on there again. I'm like, what's happened? Right? I was sick on my bloody deathbed, man. I couldn't do shit, right? And I'm going to come back and just talk to you about this thing that science doesn't really believe in. Okay. So I was on my deathbed, right? Sick as fuck. Just couldn't work. I was just constant headaches, constant headaches, right? And I remember installing the Wi-Fi modem because Wi-Fi, we just got it. Uh, and I remember installing the Wi-Fi modem and I remember because uh, a stupid disk didn't auto-install it. I had to go and manually and fuck around, manually install it. I was an IT and guy for 20 back... years, man. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, had to go on the back door, log on, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, 912.1.0. And I got in there and I configured it. It took me about half an hour, three quarters of an hour to finally get all passwords set up and all the everything worked up as a net router or whatever it was. Um Got a big headache. Oh. And I thought, oh, that's odd. And I rang up the guy who sells them. And I said, oh, do you get, do you reckon you get headaches from this? And he goes, oh, I used to. Yeah, I used to get a few headaches. Um, but they're not too bad. Anyway, so I'm lying on my bloody deathbed. Now, this is going to sound totally bizarre. And this is what I'm talking about. Science tells us it doesn't matter. Right. Turns out the Wi-Fi router is next to, on the other side of the wall, next to my head. And so, okay, so I'm sick as, in bed, headaches constantly. So I thought I'm going to unplug the Wi-Fi router. As soon as I did that, I felt better. In fact, 
within half an hour, I felt euphoric. In fact, it felt like a needle had been pulled from my brain that was sticking in there. And I felt amazing. And straight away, I'm out of bed. I'm up doing stuff. And so I'm like, this shouldn't make sense. Now, I've seen a whole lot of work around, so the, these all these scientists and doctors in, uh, in Germany, I think, about the cancer clusters on um, the mobile phone towers and blah, blah, blah. I thought, oh, this is interesting. So maybe I'll, I'll try and turn stay away from the Wi-Fi just as a precautionary thing because perhaps, because uh, I'm in a lot of radiation, um and, and all the electrical fields all day at work, perhaps I've overloaded that factor. And, and, and to this day, all my tests for the last eight years have shown that I personally can absorb a certain amount of radiation. After that point, um, it makes me violently ill. Now, if, if my levels are too high, uh, in the morning, if I look at the computer screen too early, um, I'll throw up. Straight away, I'll throw up. Uh, the other day, I, I talked on the phone a hell of a lot, and then I made a phone call. And as soon as I finished that phone call, I just went bright white and I just started throwing up. Hmm. Um, so what I've realised is I'm a little bit more sensitive to the build-up of radiation, and so I, I'd, I've got a outside my work, just 200 metres away, is a cell phone tower, oh, shit. and so I'm probably yeah. receiving a, probably a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more energy than than normal, and I find if I'm at work for too long, um, I, I was at, so I've been working like 30 more hours <laughs> that I normally work just at the moment because it's fucking nuts. <laughs> That's good. And um, I'm just at work all the time, and then That's with all on the phone all the time, and it's cooked me. Mm. Uh, I've hit my level again of of what I do. So what I'm saying is. It doesn't make sense, and science will tell you that it's not much radiation coming from the routers and, and cell towers and stuff. But over time, um, it can weigh you down. And especially if you've put yourself in a situation where you are overloaded by your situation because your situation's fucked, you're in a shit job. You're already compromised. If you're in a shit job. You've got a right to be depressed. Yeah. You're fucking turning up. You've got no creativity. You, it got a point where I could no longer turn up to a normal job. I couldn't do it. I physically couldn't do it. Yeah. I just I was like, I had to fucking do K-Light. Couldn't, if I didn't make K-Light fly, I would starve to death. So I thought, fuck it. I've just got to put all my energies into K-Light. And, and so I quit all my jobs. Um, and I just thought, well, this is it. I turned the Wi-Fi off. I was out of bed. Man, that's a good start, eh? That was a good fucking start. I was out of bed, man, and I was I was pumping. And uh, I realized that I have a bit of an up and down cycle, and I realized that diet was the down cycle. And so for me, diet, harsh diet, not harsh diet, strict diet, can really, really dial in. So so real quickly, we're going to do a little two-minute segment of, of, of how that works for me. So the first indicator is that fish oil worked amazing. So straight away, fish oil and hemp seeds, right? Boom. Okay. That just brought me back to life because my brain's overclocked. It's all the and good it fats, uses more energy. Right? 
yeah yeah it uses more energy or more uh, omega-3 6 and 9 okay so straight away i'm targeting the fish oil and the krill oil and boom far out to that how pay and so it was because i was depleted and so if your brain's full of all that okay you're probably okay you know and you probably don't need to take doses of it but if your brain's really depleted of it and then you're having dramas it's not going to hurt to try it and so you take between four to six thousand milligrams of fish oil a day and see what happens now in the morning something that i cannot not have is chia seeds i must have chia seeds every day otherwise it doesn't i fall over so chia seeds are super important um I have a little mix. I soak my chia seeds in the morning for about 20 minutes, half an hour. Then I might put a banana with a little bit of milk, a little bit of yogurt. Uh, and then I have a mix of LSA, which is linseed, almond, something else, um, hemp seeds, and just some coconut shreds. And then blend that up, mix it up, and then I have that. It's got one banana in it. And that's my kind of mental health shake. Uh, you can do variations, but the key thing is the chia seeds and the hemp seeds. And the LSA, I reckon, is important too. I feel a lot more vital when I eat the LSA. So straight away, sugar. I had to remove sugar. And so I was just fucking addicted to the shit. I fucking loved it, man. Oh, man. And yeah, I wasn't even sugar drinking coke. I wasn't even drugs. drinking coke. I wasn't yeah. even drinking anything. I wasn't even eating sugar. It was just in shit. It's in so everything. Lots yeah. of juice. <laughs> lots of juice and so now i have to eat i guess what americans would call a pretty boring diet but it's actually really nice and it's really healthy and it's really good for my brain so you know uh, a lot of fish uh low not not a huge amount of red meat uh, a little bit of white meat um a lot of vegetables and a lot of fruit and a lot of healthy grains and quinoa and couscous and you know, chickpeas, and I guess it's a hippie diet. I guess. And no, just no, cut I think it's a sugar out. it's a balanced diet. I think. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people could stand to to get rid of sugar in their diets, for sure. Um, so, yeah. So, so what what were you eating before? Were you like a fast food guy or what? No, never a fast food guy. But I was just too much on the sugar. Right. So yeah, it's just too much orange juice or juice. Just like would go through lit and sh- yogurt. I would just eat freaking mm. yogurt. Fucking like liter would be gone in two days because it's just sugar. You know what people don't realize and- about juice? People think drinking juice is healthy. The problem is, is that <clears throat> do you know how many oranges like to to you'd have to squeeze to make eight ounces of of juice? It's like almost a bag, right? Like <laughs> half a bag of oranges. And it's, uh, it's an overdose. It's an OD. Yeah. There's probably like, and, yeah. and then you're not, you're taking all the fiber out of it. And, and they, here I it, thought it was good. Here I've got yeah, all it's juice. You you're, know, you're like, you're it's better fucking sugar. Yeah. But Whether you're better. It's, you're, or not, it's still sugar. Yeah. And you're better to eat the fruit because the fruit's full of fiber so, and uh, then and and, got vitamins. Yeah. And then also that fiber will slow it. It basically lowers the glycemic index of the, of the, the, the fruit in general. So if you drink the juice, your spike. Need, yeah. yeah, I need low GI. And so that sugar, which would spike my, uh, insulin, uh, and then when it dropped too low, I'd need the adrenaline. That adrenaline-insulin cycle yeah. is really not good, really not good for you. And so so if we get back on track, uh, diet 
is a huge component in mental health. And I honestly think you're not you're taking the piss if you're not doing that and thinking you're doing everything because diet really fixed the depression side of it. Okay, so it's still got the mania side of it. Okay, so that's where I had to do the reprogramming in the brain. And so, yes, I can achieve these amazing things. Yes, I can work a trillion billion hours. But no one on their deathbed said, oh, shit, mm. I, I really should have worked more. Like, seriously, why do I do it? Because I've got a mania, right, and I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with doing it, right? And so I just fucking drive myself all day, all night, all the time. So I have to constantly tell myself I've got a plan. I've got a plan time. Okay, so diet is huge. Get the diet sorted. Try the fish oil. Try the hemp seeds. Try the quinoa. Try the hippie food. You'll be really amazed how much an overclocked brain like you and I have, how much that diet works. Exercise is the other component to that, right? You've got to do the exercise. Yeah. No matter what happens, what turned me, I wasn't writing, what turned me was my dad said to me, he said, Kerry, depression is a lack of movement disease. And my dad's pretty smart, so I listened to him and I went, okay, I'm not moving at all. And so my brain's not moving. Turns out you're only as good as you're currently doing at the moment. So your body is only as good as what you currently ask from it at that second. So if you're not asking anything from it, it kind of, it's not powering. And so even though I didn't want to go for a ride, I just fucking forced myself to just get on the bike and I felt horrendous. And the first time I did it was awful. But as your body slowly gets used to it, it's like, oh, okay, well, that, that's all right. That didn't totally kill me. You know, you start to get, going again and the brain kind of engages and the body and the metabolism speeds up and, and things start to work again. So I can't sit still. So I would have music meditation and cycling med meditation or movement meditation. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a really third key. You've got to get your diet sorted. You've got to look at the situation you're in to make sure you don't have situational depression because that's a huge component of it. And if you're in a fucked up job, a fucked up house and a fucked up life, give yourself the ability to be okay with the fact that you are depressed by that, but let's try and affect some change in that if we can. And so there's some good key elements there with the, the diet, the exercise and the situation. I think if you can knock them off, then you're going to really see what clinical depression or clinical mental health has left. And that's where you mm. talk to your doctor yeah. and that's where you talk about medication and that's when you look at that aspect and that's where you do your, your, your cognitive behavioral therapy with your psychologist or your um, psych, whatever one you see. I think that's super important. You should always go back and check yourself um, because guys like myself that can get really high, right, I don't get so high that I go and do something fully crazy. And I think that's, I think that is the indicator of how, how much bipolar you've got. If you go out and do stuff that's crazy, like um, kill people and stuff, that's pretty crazy because you might be having a bender. That's, you've got the other type, you know what I mean? So it's really important. We now look at the clinical side of it. For me, the doctor said, 
I could definitely take medication, but he believes the side effect would be worse than if I could manage it correctly with other ways. Yeah. And so if I get a little bit high, I'll take a marijuana and it'll just lower me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's a double-edged sword because you can definitely abuse that like any medication. Yeah, you can. I was going to say, I was going to ask you if, have you ever tried um, psilocybin mushrooms ever? I mean, oh, not recreationally. <laughs> oh yeah. No, not, no, no, no. When I was young, I did stuff when I was young. But, yeah. Um, I've been experimenting a little bit with microdoses of psilocybin. So uh, small doses, you can't, imperceivable doses. So like uh, three tenths of a gram, you know, like very, very small amounts. It's a very, very interesting compound. Um, and, you know, I would recommend. I, I, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. And to even, change your perspective, yeah. shift, shift that perspective just to give you a bit of relief so you can go, okay, I can see, I can see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel because often it's the hole, eh? Yeah. I call it the hole. And it depends on how far you're in that hole. And when you're in the hole, you kind of, sometimes you know. And so by having that shift, what you've just talked about, I think that's very important. Thanks for bringing that up because that's a very important thing to be able to look down on yourself or look back at yourself to see if you're in that hole and know that you're in that hole. And that little shift by having the marijuana or having the, the mushrooms, just a microdose, just to show you that perspective, mm. it gives you the light to look for when you're in that hole. Mm. And I think that's important. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of natural things out there. Like, you know, like you're saying, just change your diet, just eat whole foods, um, uh, like clean that up and then just getting out, um, getting out into the woods or just, even if you're just walking around the block, just the change of scenery to, to get you out of it. And the other thing I was thinking about, um, you know, it seems like I had a friend and they were quite depressed. And every time, every time that person, um, felt something, you know, um, they would go to the doctor and ask, uh, for more. They'd ask for more of the, they said, Oh, you know, doc, I think I need a, I need a boost or, Oh, what's, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm kind of feeling this way and that way. And the doctor said, okay, I'm going to give you 10 more milligrams of this antidepressant medication. And, um, the side effects are fucked, man. Like, you know, I was around this person a lot and I could tell like within a few days, it's like, wow, that shit, that's not good. Like they're having these weird kind of almost vacant kind of, um, I almost called it a seizure, but they're not seizing. They're just kind of like frozen and, and, and emotionless. And, and it's just like, there's so many more, I think more gentle approaches you should take. And I think doctors should be asking people that. It's like when people come in and say, hey, doc, I'm super depressed. It's like, okay, well, how's your diet? What are you eating? Or are you getting enough okay, exercise? So my, my wife, she loves Dr. Phil, right? <laughs> so she, I watch a lot of Dr. Phil. And the amount of time Dr. Phil said, look, I think you're probably taking probably a little bit too much medication. And did you even have a look at this? And did they really look at this aspect and this aspect and this aspect? Because Dr. Phil, I I rate him as a pretty smart guy and he likes to try and get to the bottom of things. And uh, he generally generally says pretty some right stuff in, in, in my opinion. And so when he comes up with that a lot, I think this is 
now it's more important if you're on medication to break down the situation, mm. to have a look at what is actually situational depression, because it may be that you have a lot of situational depression and a little bit of clinical uh, depression or, or mental illness. Um, and, and perhaps you could reduce the medication because it's hard enough this world rather than having to fight the medication as well or have the medication. So, I mean, I think for me, the best scenario would be to d discern whether it is situational or clinical, reduce the situational and fix the diet and the exercise as much as possible to give yourself a fighting chance and then reestablish and then have a look. So I think it's always worth re-looking re at, at, at what's going on in yourself and, and having a look. Can I, you know, increase exercise? Because exercise, man, if I don't ride my bike, I'm fucking get grumpy and yep. get shitty and <laughs> and it, i go ride my bike and i feel great and they say yeah. exercise is 50 percent the what they do for cancer right so if they're fighting ca uh, for cancer they say exercise is 50 percent effective as medication yeah, you need they to say that you need to stress your body your but uh, we're, we're we've evolved from uh to experience stress like seasonal stress temperature stress not having enough food you know uh, running after game when we're hunting you know thousands of years ago obviously but but yeah we, we've we've evolved to have stress and now it's kind of all been taken away in a, in a lot of ways it's 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 moved it's moved from you know survival stress like innate primal survival stress to like stress like oh i need to pay my mortgage oh i need to work this shitty job so i can do this and that and the other thing that i hate you know like the stresses are different and really what we all need is just to simplify and get out in the in the woods more get outside more and push our limits more and stress ourselves more right to help because that. we're only as good we're only as exactly. good as what we currently demand from ourselves that's and right. if that's sitting on the couch exactly. your brain's turning to mush yeah you know you've got to exercise the brain you've got to exercise the body and if you're in a depression and if you're in a situation that's shit right with that dead end job and all that stuff you've got to go well what's what's it all worth like i i i say that it's the brain that is unsuccessful it's not the person and so i'll give you an example right when i started Kali, i wasn't thinking successfully to be successful so i had to completely throw out that brain thing so we go back to the bit where your programmed your program that you currently have is only the first thing you were given you haven't modified it you mm. get in there and modify it right you rewipe that slate clean you you do i said to myself what do winners do i said winners go on shark tank so i went on shark tank right and uh that i looked at them and i just went well like i feel as smart as you guys and it was a real confidence booster. If they're there doing that shit, although I'm like, you've got nothing on me. You don't understand half the shit I'm talking about, you yeah. know? Um, and, and so that gave me a little booster. So then I just started going, well, what do winners do? Winners do this. And so I had to throw out that old program, that old program that said I was dumb, okay? I had to throw that out. I had to throw the old thinking that I couldn't do stuff because I had a mental illness or because I was somehow different, I looked back and I realized all the inventors, all the wow. people that changed history, right? Henry Dre Ford, my mum said I might be related to him, right? Okay, so he was a fix-it guy. He was a repairman. 
right? And um, he just happened to be good at fixing stuff and happened to see what was going on at the time and just, mate, know how to do shit. You know, mechanically, that's how I'm wired. My dad was, uh, his dad was a builder and my dad was good with wood and he's passed on that. I've got big hands and uh, I'm good at making stuff, you know. And I wasn't in the right job and I wasn't being mm. free to be me. And I think if you can honestly be free, suddenly you're released. You're released from having to be someone else, like having to go and smile sweetly. I'm, I don't, you know, I'm a happy guy, but I don't have to smile all the time. You know what I mean? And I can get my work done. I can be, I'm grumpy sometimes and everything annoys me. Um, and, and that's me. You know what I mean? I, I'm annoyed by the littlest things. The littlest little things annoy me. You know what I mean? And that's just me, but that's part of the gift you know what i mean no i don't um, mean, yeah. when i read this book about the plastic brain yeah that stop that, for a second that's uh i looked yep. it up norman doidge is that right yep. d-o-i-d-g and yep. i think it's called the brain that changes itself does that sound that's, right that's yep that's yeah. the first book it's a second book too yeah i wanted to look that up and then there's another one uh the brain's way of healing so the he's got he's got yep. two books uh, absolutely amazing so what what norman said was at certain times our brain goes more plastic, right? So say you got these old tapes going, right? Got these old tapes, right? And they're giving you all this bullshit, okay? And bipolar is a little bit of a high-low cycle. And so when you're high, right, and you're doing something you like, so what Norman said is that love, and when you have a baby, right, you have the ability to get really into that baby, right? Suddenly you were thinking about motorbikes, then you have the baby, and wow, your brain allows you to reset itself and, and, and look at something else completely and really change. And you probably almost grew up as a man when you had a child, you know what I mean? It was like, fuck, you know what I mean? Your brain changed and that was a big plastic place. And so if you do something that you really love doing, right, your brain's in a plastic state, you can learn, you can change. And so doing stuff you like doing and then re doing those affirmations in your head, mm -hmm. like what do winners do and then figure out what winners do and then say, you know, it's just stop saying you're a loser and it's just stop putting yourself in a situation where you're depressed and just going, well, you know, I, this guy, Kerry, he was in a gutter, man. He was in a gutter as a homeless kid, man, eating free food. And you know what made me stand up? No one took notice of me. I was still lying there. I would have been lying there still. But I thought, oh, this is a bit boring. So I stood up and looked around. I thought, well, no one's helping me. So I just got to help myself. You know, and I know everyone's situation different. This is just my situation. I did have the ability to make that choice and go, well, you know, I need to change what I think. Because my dad said to me, he said, sometimes you can't change situation, but you can change how you feel about it. Mm. And that's really important. Yeah, it's you about can just make a little click, click. It's about control. Right. It's about you, when you when you realize that you can't control anything but what's underneath your skin and your mind, it, 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 it changes goes so things. deep. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes down and, and, and on the surface, it does sound weird. But it, once you let go and you engage the flow, then you start to see all these amazing things happen. You know, when you stop trying to control your life and you stop worrying about the past and who you were or who you are mm. and you stop worrying about what's going to happen in the future, at any given point in the future, I'm going to do my best, right? I will. I'll do my best at any given point in the future. 
I'm not going to purposely stuff it up, right? So I don't have to worry about the future. I don't have to worry about the past. I can really be in the here and now. And and you've really got to it's, – it's an evolution to get to that point where you can be comfortable just to be here and and be in the moment. And that's something that's pretty hard to achieve. You know, I do a lot of meditation and a lot of movement meditation, a lot of music meditation, and I've studied martial arts for, you know, 30-odd years. Um, and it's all about um, – not letting the thoughts control you mm. and yeah, noting them. Okay. Yep. I can see you there. There's depression there. And I know why it's there because I'm in a depression situation. Okay. But it's not going to help me. Mm. It's not going to aid me at the second. So I'm going to push that aside and go, okay, and put you over there in that pile there and noted, but like I've got shit to do, move on. Um, and you've just got <coughs> to try and reprogram the head as much as possible. And I reckon I did that eight times. So eight times I realized that I wasn't thinking successfully and I'd hit the wall. So what happens is you hit the wall and you just whatever you're doing is not working. It's not working. And you think you're doing the right thing. What you've got to realize is you're doing the wrong thing or you're not thinking right or there's a different way of thinking or there's an alternative way of thinking. Turns out any obstacle, a wall, is a giant circle or a giant um rectangle now giant circle essentially and if you keep moving sideways along the wall trying to find a way around the problem you'll eventually find your way around it you know what i mean so you just got to kind of keep moving and go okay well i stopped there okay well i'll go over here and i'll try this and i'll try that now the most important thing with this is you've got to try the completely the opposite of what you're doing that is the most important thing. The opposite, the furthest mm. you could possibly imagine your brain to thing, right? So your outer, outer limit, so what is the absolute opposite, it's polar opposite, and the full-honest one that I can do, what is that? And you've got to do that, right? Because every time I've done that, I've realized that I wasn't thinking right to be successful, to, to be where I am today for what I wanted to achieve. So I wasn't thinking the right way to achieve what I wanted to achieve, even though I thought I was. Now, at the time, you think you are, and you think you're doing the right thing, but it doesn't work. And so there's a rule that it gets really, really hard before it gets good. Because you're really pushing the boundaries. You're pushing those the threshold of, of, of what you can comprehend, right? So... I was told to think bigger. I thought, you're thinking too small. Think bigger. I said, you could be the best in the world. And I thought to myself, I could be the best in the world. I could make the best light in the whole fucking world, right? And I think I probably have, you know what I mean? But to think that big doesn't come overnight. It takes years of reprogramming yourself to go, yes, I can be good. I'm not a loser. Yes, I'm different, but that is my strength. Uh, because every great person, every inventor, every they're all a little bit nutty. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? They're yeah. all a little bit alternative, think outside the box. And the biggest thing I learned was never play by the rules. Never play by the rules. When I looked at the situation where I had, okay, so I want to create a worldwide um, lighting company. I don't have any money. Okay. So I looked at that component of money and I thought, well, I can't affect that. And then I looked at all the other things, and again, we talked about 
um, looking at pictures and the amount of things can change. So I thought, okay, what can I change? What can I affect at this very second? All I can really do is that. Sometimes I couldn't do anything and I could only change the way I felt about things. You know what I mean? And then that gave me a different perspective. You know what I mean? And so it's all about knowing that you've got to reinvent yourself, that the old tapes may not be effective for everything and that there might be a point in time um, where you're doing the wrong thing and you need to change your approach um, and do the exact opposite as much as big and as hard as you can to give you power perspective. Every risk I've taken looking back has been a lightweight risk. I only thought it was big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the early days, in the early days, I was dealing with hundreds of dollars. Now I'm dealing with thousands of dollars uh, or tens of thousands of dollars. And it's just part of business. I don't personally have that. That's just what the business does. And then it pays the factory and it pays the employees and you know how it all works. Um, But my brain could never think of that in the early days. It would blow up. You know what I mean? And so it's a slowly, you're unraveling that layer, that onion, and you're seeing a different person come out and you're thinking differently. When you hit a wall, just move sideways. Look at what you can do and look what you can't do. You know, in the case of mental health, let's really look at this situation that you're in and let's look at every aspect of that situation. Let's look at that diet, rip that apart, change the opposite. So I think you'll find if that works in a lot of things. So if you've got a takeaway, do the opposite, right? Um, it works in a lot of things. And then you realize real quickly what works and what doesn't work. And it's all about these stories about what worked for me. I'm not a doctor. This is just work for me. I found that over time I can be susceptible to Wi-Fi. Uh, and so I, I, had, I just turn it off uh, in my house. And, um, you know, I used the, the cables, the Cat5-6 cables, uh, and I've hardwired my house up and, you know, I try to limit usage on the on the mobile phones and I'm not a, you know, uh, a phoneaholic, which is a good thing for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, try to get as much exercise, have a, have a really good diet. And you know what? I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy. You know, I've got this peace that I've never, ever had. That's you awesome. Know? I'm free to be me, man. You know what I mean? I can yeah. be who I want. And that's a rare opportunity that I've worked really hard. So 10 years ago, I decided to do it. And only because of that decision 10 years ago, I thought, no, nah, I'm going to stop being, you know, telling myself I'm a loser uh, and I'm going to be something better than what I am now. And look, it took a long time. And this mm. journey with mental health has been eight years, you know, to get to the point where, you know, I, I, can, I can feel happy and understand what does what, you know, what aspects affect what in me personally. And certainly those mega three, six and nines, I think that's probably universal that an active brain or certainly a brain like ourselves that, you know, is firing a lot is probably going to consume a little bit more uh, food or energy and, 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 and certain elements will be used and certain elements won't. And so getting the brain up to a therapeutic dose, you know, like so every couple of days I might take, you know, some fish oil now just to top up, you know, and, and some magnesium if I'm working out or doing exercise because that's really good. Um and it's just about drinking a lot of water and, and trying to get the sleep uh, that you need because sleep's another thing. So it's looking at all the factors uh, and trying to execute uh, a dial-in on all the factors. Uh, it's about repatching your brain, you know, because your brain, the operating system in your brain's the first one you had. You can get it to change. It's plastic, 
right? I tell you one of the experiments that the, the Norman uh, talks about from the fifties, right? So there's a dude uh, and he's blind, right? So you got this optic nerve and that jacks into some some pathways in your brain, and so what your brain does is it can utilize these spaces, right? And so what they would do is they would um, have this giant machine that would go onto this guy's back, right? And it's like a typewriter and it would push at little spots on his back, mm. right? And what it was was a really low-resolution camera and a really low-resolution screen and each pixel was a little prod. And what would happen is they would show the, an image and it would do a really kind of dot matrix sort of picture and it would oh, prod that into his back. Okay. Now, what happened was the pathways jacked into his pathways for his eyes. And suddenly he could see. Mm. He could see in his mind and he didn't even think about it. So after a while, the pathways jacked in, right? So if you don't use it, you lose it. So that's the rule with the pathways. You don't use it, you lose it, right? So I've stopped mechanicing and I've noticed I'm not as um, – I'm not as quick and it's not as nimble of, you know, juggling tools and do, 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 do. you know, you lose a bit of dexterity because you, 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 you don't use it, you lose it. Now neurons that fire together, wire together. Right. And so they, they did this thing where they tied this stitch, these monkeys fingers together. Right. And he couldn't independently move them. And that pathway of the fingers joined because it didn't need to be used anymore. So it just joined with the other finger. Uh, and so when they unstitched the finger, the monkey couldn't move the finger independently. Oh, funny. Because the pathways had changed. And so what we're seeing there is the brain rewiring itself to limit physical function. Now, if that is the case, can you imagine how limited we can make ourselves by the way we think? If If we can think differently and write different pathways we can physically affect the way we think and the way we are. And that is a huge revelation that our brain is that plastic that you can rewrite it. And so if you get a mouse in a box, right, and from birth you just you can only catch black, you can't hear anything, and it just hears a tone. Boop, boop, boop. That's all it hears, right? No other stimuli. That's the only pathway that gets written. Right. So what it's saying is that operating system may not be true. It's just operating system you've got. And so a guy from Alaska, when he says cold, I'm, I've got my woolies on, right? I'm cold. And it's probably only 17 degrees, right? So far, uh, Celsius, you know. Um, my, my cold's different than the cold guy in Alaska. But we still call it cold, right? But his frame of reference is mm. very different because he's completely up, different upbringing. He's a different program. He thinks very differently. And so if where our thinking is based on the way we're up, up brought and the way we think or the way the, the stimuli that's in front of us, we can just put ourselves with different stimuli and think differently and we can really change the way we are and the well-being and the way we feel. If, if placebo works 30% of the time, right, so they give someone a drug that's in chronic pain and 30% of those people, because the doctor said it worked, right, the doctor said it worked, and so 30% of those people are now pain-free. Mm. Okay, it's sugar tablets, right? So it's a placebo effect. It's 30% effective, right? So if a faith healer, right, says you're healed, right, and if you believe that faith healer, 
you can be healed. If a doctor can say something's correct and you stop feeling pain, surely a faith healer can say that something's correct and you can stop feeling the pain or start feeling something else, right? You're healed. You'll feel good now. Wow, I do feel good. Placebo works. So therefore, if those things are true, I can also tell myself things, right, and believe it and have faith in myself. So I have faith in myself that I'm going to work through my bullshit. I have faith that what I'm going to do is correct. If I can convince myself, I can get the placebo effect. And so that's why the mantra and that's why the talking and the repeating, that's why it does work, right? Because if placebo, whatever that is, however that works, but it's proven 30% is placebo, if that works, that means we can reprogram our brain slowly. We can affect the way we are by the way we think. Thought, word, deed. You've got to change. You've got to change the way you think before you start with anything. So you get in there like that synthesizer patch board and you unplug things. Okay, so no longer going to tell myself I'm a loser because this guy that was, this Kerry guy, this street kid guy that, you know, was a bit nutty, man, he's been really successful in, in changing the way he thinks and he's fucking proved it too by fucking having K-Light. If, for K-Light to exist means I'm correct, right? Before K-Light was successful, I was just a nutbag, right? No one wanted to talk to me. No one wanted to know anything I said. No one to know about my invention. Not one fucker. Nobody. Right? It took one single human at this factory that I went to and said, Oi, you got to talk. I've got to talk to you. He kind of believed in me because maybe he saw something that he had. I don't know. But he believed in me, and that's what got me to start. One person. Right? And until I achieved the success, I was a nutbag. Right? But now I've achieved success. I'm a great man. That's fucking bullshit. Seriously, on the face of it, that's bullshit. Just because I got, what, monetary success or I, or, or I did something, suddenly on success, just because a person's got a good car, they're better, just because a guy is in a nice house, he's better, that's bullshit. You're as good as your contribution to the world. That's how good you are. Well, right? yeah. And, and, if you're a, and, yeah. and what you're contributing is is not only valuable to your livelihood, but it's valuable to to users right so i i, I don't i don't think ever anyone really would uh would uh, look at you in that respect for being like successful like you're obviously super passionate you know you're using your ocd to good to good use right you know you're using you your you? yeah. your attention to detail to make things that that you'd want to use and and you probably think sometimes well i don't want some fucker in the woods with my light and have it fail on him so you know, you, you're, you're being attentive to your users. So tell me how does, um, how important is creativity in all this? So it's like, I, I know, I think you, you, you had a project kind of on the go you, you might want to talk about. And, um, but, but I think that's, that's even an important aspect of mental health is, is a creative outlet. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I think you've absolutely nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. If we talk about, uh, situational depression. We talk about ex uh, exercise and diet, and we talk about them as some cre uh, key factors. The creativity is another key factor. You know, if you uh, can't be creative, right, you're going to die, man. You're going to die of cancer or some bullshit because 
you haven't been free to be yourself. And that's why I say I'm truly lucky. I am so lucky just to be able to be me, man. You know what I mean? And this is a true blessing that what I do has allowed me to be. I can come home today and talk to you because I'm the fucking boss. Right? <laughs> I, I, we appreciate I can be it. <laughs> me. I can be me and as crazy or as not crazy as that is, I'm free to be me. And I, if I don't make stuff, I explode. Like my body yesterday was so locked up because I spent all weekend crafting uh, fine wood uh, to make uh, a, a banister and stuff out the front of our house. Uh, and then before that, I spent three days working a lot, lot, lot at night making an e-cargo bike for my wife. Uh, and then before that, I'm designing and engineering uh, newer versions of all the swanky bits that K-Line has. And like, like seriously, man, you know, I spent all day creating and I have to stop myself doing it mm. because that is a bad thing, okay? So... I can't just keep working all day and all night. I fall over. So then I've got to tell myself that that's when it's negatively backfiring right. my obsession. So I've got to go, okay, that's unhealthy. And last night I was thinking, Kerry, you don't need to work all night. Like you can have a break, you know. So I'll give you an idea. I get up at around 6.30 to start work at 7 on the computer. Uh, by 10 o'clock I'm in the, in the office. Uh, my worker starts at 9 uh, and then – deal with all the bullshit, um, you know, build a couple of things, um, whatever, then back home to work on engineering and CAD work uh, to get the printers going because the printers go 24-7. Yeah, um, And so I've got to keep feeding them shit and I'm always redesigning stuff. Like, um, yeah, like, for instance, people um, have got the little uh, charger, USB charger in their little bag um, and – what happens is if they turn their bars, sometimes the cable uh, can be uh, a little bit tight and because the charge is kind of fixed in the position, it can pull the little plug out. And so I've just updated the charger with a little zip tie lock. And so you can add a little zip tie around the plug. I mean, we all know you shouldn't hang, hang anything off the mm. lead. That's silly. You know what I mean? You secure both objects. But in this case, shit happens, man. You're in the middle of, Every, in the bush or the snow or the desert or something, like, you know, shit happens. And so I've, I've locked that bugger on there, so that's tied on, you know what I mean? Uh, the new light's even smaller. It's even more sealed. You know, I went back and I added two more layers of sealing, you know, around the optics. And then I've gone back and I've added all this extra stuff and I just keep going back and just, you know, it's almost finished. After 10 years, I can say I'm, I'm pretty happy with it now and I'll probably uh, look to, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, and, and that's certainly been uh, a, a voice and that's certainly do podcasts and certainly make videos. Uh, tomorrow starts the new project. So let's hear. Let's hear about this new project. Okay. So um, it's called K-Light Media. And it's the media arm of K-Light information uh, and systems. And so there's, I've got a million designs, right? But it's taken me 10 years to do these three designs I've got. So what am I going to do with the other, you know, 9,900,000 9, designs that I have? Okay, so I'm going to throw them out for free. Yeah, yes. and some 
people are going to copy them and they're going to sell them and make money and that's going to happen. But that's okay because there's other people that really need design that don't have a lot of money uh, that they can go in and scavenge some bits, right, uh, from here or there to make a little project. You know, some of the projects might be uh, power generation from uh, a bottle dynamo from the, from the 80s or 70s. You know, they're everywhere. You can probably pick them up for a dollar. You know, I mean, how do we make a little USB battery charger out of that? Easy. And then I tell you all the tricks, like how to do stuff very simply by only slightly bending the rules of physics, uh, not getting too complicated. <laughs> and that's for understanding. Like, give you an example. You can charge uh, any battery voltage with a dynamo because a dynamo kind of locks on to whatever voltage it is. In fact, a motor is also a generator and a generator is also a motor. So any motor in an old printer or, or any device with a motor in it can be harvested and if you can spin that, you create electricery and then you can put that into a battery. Now, you can recycle car batteries. You can recycle many type of batteries and some of them, like the old SLA battery or the car battery, they're safe to charge without any charge controller if it's a big battery and it's a low charge rate. Um, so there's certain rules uh, that exist in laws of physics, and it's about being as simple as possible. And certainly the K-Light system is incredibly simple. There's only um, a couple of parts uh, make up the K-Light system because complex complexity is the devil. Mm. Um, it doesn't last. All the fanciness and all the bullshit falls away in the first three days of your trip, man, and you're back to the back to the basics you know what i mean so you might as well keep it basic um uh so you know that's what the k-light media is about it's about giving that information back it's about having a, a uh, i don't know if this word is correct repository uh, of 3d printed things okay so you're in canada is that correct mm -hmm. yeah so I'd love to give you this thing, but there's this computer screen in front of us. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'll email it to you and you 3D print it out. You know, let's not waste the world flying the stupid thing over when I can teleport the design to you and you can 3D print it because we've all got 3D printers, don't we? Well, I don't. Well, but... <laughs> let's flash forward soon. That's something that we'll have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now you've got metal 3D printers and soon metal 3D printers will be you know, household, just like uh, 3D printers are normally. You know, there's there's dudes um, getting nylon fishing line and recycling that into 3D printed plastic. Oh, interesting. So you can print, right, in 3D, and uh, sorry, you can print and recycled product, right, on a printer that you make from recycled junk. <laughs> so you can make a 3D printer or a laser etcher from a, uh, a disk drive, right? You can make junk power. And this is what I want to bring to the world. I want to bring to the third world. I want to bring to everyone junk power. How do we make stuff from junk? Because I honestly believe the zombie apocalypse is coming. And I said that in my podcast a couple ago. I said we need to be ready. And I think this is a total proof of what happens if the world catches a fucking cold. Mm. So the world caught a cold and look what fucking happened. Mm. They're stupid systems that we've got uh, set up. They're not working. They don't work. And that's why America is fucking fucked. And I feel so sorry 
so sorry for those people in America that have to work two or three jobs just to just to do have a fucked life. I mean, that's just mega bullshit. You know what I mean? This system isn't working. I think it's clear, and I think it's going to change, and I think it will fall over, and I think we all need to be ready. And so I'm saying dynamos for the win. I'm saying junk power for the next step. So if you've got the skills, man, buy back the power with knowledge, and you've got the skills to make shit from junk, you're winning, man, when the shit hits the fan and you need to be resourceful. I'm the most resourceful guy I know. You know what I mean? Like I am the dude you want to have on the fucking shipwreck or something. You know what I mean? Like uh, that plane crash lost. Oh, that, that's me. You You're know? the computer guy, I'll, the I'll engineer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I can do lots of things. You know, I've got a lot of skills. You know, I know how to live in the mountains. I know how to, you know, be a bushwhacker. You know, I know how to be a bush mechanic. You know, I know how to, to hack, hack stuff. I know yeah. how to live poor and with no food. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So, is that gonna is there gonna be a video component to that as well? Like, you're gonna have a YouTube channel? I think it's gonna be a major video component, and that's what it's gonna be mostly. And this is what you can see right next to me here is this big light. Oh, that's what that was. I wasn't sure what that was. So you're yeah. in your studio right yeah. now, and and the new mics and the new little mixing desks that you can just see there for audio and the dual mics behind you and the whole pro studio set up right behind where you're uh, yeah. virtually standing uh, is a whole environment. And if awesome. you look at my last video, uh, it's a very short one, just a little promo on the V2, which is my website. That's the background of the K-Light Media Studio. And what it's about is me affording to pay staff to kind of clone me and so I can step away. Mm. And it's really scary because I don't really have the money to pay someone to be me and then step away. And so the pressure's on, man. And I've got to sort that bullshit out so it works. You know what I mean? And so I will make it happen. K-Light Media will happen. And um, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, but... uh, and, and so this is, this is my big push now. Scary as fuck, but I'm going to yeah. pull it off. Well, I think that's what holds a lot of people back is, is like what you were even saying before the last, you know, the last hour and a half about mental health is just to, you know, you, you need to make these changes in your life, you know, diet and exercise and et cetera, et cetera. And the, the big component to people not doing that is fear, right? Is being afraid to, to, to st step out and push their limits. And this is where you've got to own it. It's okay to be have fear it's okay to feel that way and we go back to owning the feeling okay yes it doesn't serve me yeah i fear yeah when i'm starting for a, a bike packing trip yeah I'm, I'm scared i'm 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 fearful when a big storm comes in fuck these days you got, should be scared you know mm. what i mean yeah. um like hell you know uh, it, it fear is a good thing it shows you're awake and you're paying attention and so what i found was I, if it scared me, I was on the right trip. I was on the right trip. And then when I look back, like, remember, remember when I was young and I was scared of the dark, right? I'm not scared of the dark anymore. That's because it was new, right? Okay. So it was there and I was scared of it. Now I'm not. And so everything's like that. And our heads are so small that unless we think big, we're scared of fucking everything, mm. right? How do you think I fear when I get a fucking $10,000 invoice every month? You know? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. How the fuck am I going to pay that? You know what I mean? Um, but somehow I always do. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever it is, you know. Um, fear's normal. Um, you know, don't 
don't don't not look at the risk don't not feel it don't not investigate it but be realistic it doesn't serve me peg it on the clothesline and make that go off to the side because it doesn't help now i'm just going to stop for a split second yeah so wifey just got home now so how are you feeling i'm good man i'm getting tired but um you happy with happy with what we've got oh you know what it's it's funny like i said when we were chatting back and forth um that it's there is no real point i didn't really have a direction yeah i listened to you on on uh the bikes of death podcast and i was like oh that guy's pretty i could talk to this guy for a long time and uh i I thought i wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go tonight and i really enjoyed it i really thought it was interesting just your take on things and um kind of being a little bit vulnerable and sharing your backstory the way you did and and kind of how you're healing coming out the other side. And, you know, I, I really resonate with you on a lot of the stuff you're talking about, like making the changes. Cause you know, I'm going through stuff in my life right now that I need to, I need to get my fucking shit together. And it's those, those, um, those patterns that we fall into are so deep. Those ruts are so deep that, you know, you talk about change and it is important to change. Um, but it's hard, right? It's hard to it's hard to dig out of those ruts. So um, it's 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 in your head. It's impossible. No, I didn't say it was impossible. I didn't say it was no, impossible. No, but <laughs> in the head, it is impossible. Yeah, you know? and that's yeah. why we're in those ruts because we think, oh, we can't change that. Yeah. But the most amazing thing that I realized, and it sounds corny as fuck, but I it was me that was stopping myself being successful. Of course. Yeah, there's no one else doing it. You know. And I keep blaming the situation. I'll be, oh, fucking, this is happening, or this is happening, or I can't do it because of this. It's easy and to make excuses. And until I push that aside, man, nothing was happening. Yeah. I was just going to be like everyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. A passenger. A passenger. Yeah. And you know what? For me, <clears throat> that this is kind of what the, the the podcast for me is that, is, you know, your your, your media, cha- your media uh, project. And this is my little media project. And it, it allows me to talk to people and then I'm on the computer and mixing audio and creating and, and it's, it's, um, it's important. It's, it's something that I wanted to do, um, you know, a couple of years ago and I knew it'd be a great outlet for me. And, but how much do you learn from talking to all these different types oh of people? God, I'm sure dude. you learn. Eggs. Well, <clears throat> it's not even, it's not even necessarily learning a fact, um, which, which also happens, but yeah, you're learning off experience of different athletes or, you know, um, you know, I've had a sports psychologist on, you learn from him. And, um, but I think there's other ways to learn too. Like, you know, I'm trying to learn not to, to cut people off. So that's something, that's something that I just do. And I know it annoys people. So I'm, you know, I'm learning the art of conversation and there is an art to it. And that's why the... I, had to, I had to learn to listen too, eh? Well, me. that as well, I just, right? Sorry, I just cut you off there. I cut you off there. Sorry, but uh, I had to. I had to learn to listen too. Yeah, and then um, <clears throat> that, and then also just um, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah, it was learning to learning to talk. Yeah, definitely learning to listen. And uh, that oh yeah, I was going to say that's why I like this. I like doing it via video right? Because we can see each other emote to one, one another. So I can kind of like, you know, you, you can tell by my reaction, whether I'm 
I'm di- like, I resonate with what you say, or if I, if I seem a bit confused, you might see that and then you might elaborate. It's like, it's so important to be able to see one. Another. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard for me to keep talking when you might've been on the, looking at the phone or on the internet. Yeah. It was, it was hard. And I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And, oh no, that's fine. Yeah. But I had to then go, Oh no, no, no. Just keep <laughs> look away. Just keep, it was weird. And He's not even fucking listening that, to me. <laughs> It's interesting because sometimes I have it with the video off. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I've I've done a conversation with with the cameras off. Excuse me, <clears throat> and it was definitely a bit more difficult. But even even on video, I find you know because of the latency, like we have we have a you know other than a, a couple of interruptions we've had um, with our with technology, this is a great connection. Like you know, it seems yeah, yeah. in sync and there's not a lot of delay. But sometimes there's a little bit of latency. And then, you know, you think someone's done, but then, you know, they go again and that, that that's exacerbated when you can't see the person on the other, on the other end of the conversation. So it's the next best thing to being in the same room. I mean, really? So no, it's been, it's been awesome chatting with you. I don't know if, uh, um, did you, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? We didn't, you know, what's really amazing. Actually, I'm, I'm still talking. Sorry. <laughs> blah, blah, blah is how we barely talked about K-Lite at all. And I was kind of thinking that that's okay. You know? Uh, there's enough K-Lite bullshit out there. Like, <clears throat> you know, this is just whatever you think I am, not you personally, but whoever they think I am, I'm not. That's just who you think I am yeah. or they think I am. I'm just a bike mechanic, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've just had a go. I'm not super amazing. I'm not, you know, anything special. And I think I say that because people need to have faith in themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in gods. And so I believe that there are gods. I believe that people need to have faith of something. And and I have faith in myself. Mm. And that's my faith. But that faith, as we've talked about, faith healing and placebo, that faith does work. Mm-hmm. You know, I have faith that I will make the best decision at any given second. And that allows me this amazing peace of mind to be in the moment. You know, I'm not, I don't need to worry about the future. don't need to worry about the past. I can just be here and now because I have a couple of sayings that I tell myself. I said to myself, tomorrow doesn't exist. There is only today. And you must create tomorrow today. If you do not create tomorrow today, you're simply left with today repeated tomorrow. That's a cool saying. And so, yeah, so what it means is every day you've got to do something to create a better future for you tomorrow. And if you don't, nothing's going to happen. You know what I mean? So every day. I do something that scares me. Every day I do something to create a new me, better than K-Lite, bigger than K-Lite, different than K-Lite. Because it's not about safety of what you've done. It's about embracing what's new, doing what you're shit at, doing what is different. Not, okay, so I'm good at some things. I don't want to hide behind them. I don't want to limit my potential just because I did something, you know, it was good what uh, should a painter have to paint the same picture every day fuck no i want to do shit different man i want to i want to bring my 
my message to the world that, you know, you've just got to hack your brain. You've got to get in there and, and see what's going on and, and throw out the old tapes that are rubbish programming because they don't serve you. They don't do you any good. So you've got to throw them out and you've got to rewrite with successful language, successful code. Uh, and over time, that really will work. You know, you'll start to see, you'll look back and you go, I wasn't thinking right. I was, I was hard on myself for being depressed. I was, you know, I was, I felt a, a less of a person because I had a mental illness. I felt that I was less of a person because I didn't have this or I didn't have that. Mate, I don't give a fuck about what I've got. It's just about me being me and doing what I love, which is making stuff. And that's pretty simple for me. You know what I mean? And at the moment, K-Light, like I'm not making anymore. You know what I mean? I've kind of done it. I've kind of, I've, I've, you know, I've got it to the stage where I'm happy and I've kind of done it. And, and then I lose interest. So when I build a bike, I build it, I like building for people. And so, you know, I've created something nice and then I can build another one. If I build it for me, well, I'd probably then build another one. You know what I mean? So for me now, K-Light Media is the next step. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll see myself doing talks and in, in, in areas explaining certain things to people from my perspective. And, and the reason why I wanted to do this talk is because my psychiatrist, he said something to me. And and when he said that to me, I, I can't remember what it was, but I realized that he didn't really know what it was actually like to be inside the brain of someone with mental illness. You know, it was as if he had learnt to ride a bike from reading a book but never ridden a bike. And I thought, okay, so there's a lot of really smart knowledge out there, but I wanted to talk from a perspective of an actual user how-to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I, I'm in there, you know. I, I, I do live in the hole and I am annoyed by everything. You know what I mean? So it's really important that I came from a user perspective and, and told from a user perspective what does work, you know. And I think you'll find that, you know, ETS is a thing, you know, electromagnetic sensitivity. It's an actual thing. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? No, for sure. When I was back in the IT days, I was um, uh, a, a networking guy, like a backend guy. So I was uh, taking my <clears throat> Cisco, Cisco internetworking courses, and there was a guy, I sat beside an, an electrical engineer, and uh, I said, dude, is it true about the, about the, the cell phone radiation? And this was like, I don't know. 15 years ago. Right. And he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he goes, well, let me tell you, you could, you could burn this table. You could take a lamp and you could lay it light bulb on the table and turn the lamp on. And eventually it's going to scorch it. It's going to, it's going to burn the table. He said, or you could take a tiger torch to it and you could burn it. He goes, that's basically what wireless is. It's like, it's a form of radiation. It's super low level. And absolutely, it's affecting us. That's what an electrical engineer told me. And this was like 15 years ago. And I heard some other yeah. things too once where um, a guy was doing a, he heard about a guy doing a job in a library and he had to go up onto the ceiling and he had to move or relocate some wireless antennas um, because they weren't getting good signal throughout the library. And uh, the books that were in the vicinity and the radius of uh, the, the closest most books were actually... Uh, they fell apart when he grabbed them. They would just be, they were bent, they've been up there for like months, if not years, underneath this wireless antenna, mm -hmm. and they yep, were yep. they were basically like powder. 
He said, you yeah. just picked them up, the fragile. They were all broken down, the paper, the glue. He pulled the thing out and it was just like falling apart. So absolutely these things may, are having an effect on us. I don't think 5G called, caused uh, the pandemic. However, I know that wireless technology is not the greatest thing in the world. And we're carrying this shit in our pockets. And now we've got, you know, wireless headphones. I don't. I use a wired headphone still. Because so I don't want a Bluetooth, which is like, think I think it's 2.4 gigahertz, is it not? In 2.4G for Bluetooth. Yeah, in your ear, talking to your phone, which is by your junk, <laughs> right? It's like we're, we're yeah. surrounded. And, and people who, who, who think that, you know, even, even you, I hate to say it, but even at your home, and it's awesome that you went wired, but you're getting radiated. You've, you've, you've mitigated it but you've, you're still getting it yeah. from cell towers, right? I've you're... got low enough irradiation that I can just be okay, but I still need to consider moving yeah. uh, out. I, I went, I had a couple of days off, I think two years ago, and um, I went bush, and that gave me a month's worth of vital energy. Yeah, so, you know. Like we're being uh, bombarded constantly. In the city. Yeah, yeah, the city, yeah, and for sure. And I'm lucky I'm just low enough radiation. I still feel sick every day. Yeah. Um. And what peaks me out is that I see mothers with their babies mm. and they've got the phone next to the baby's mm. fucking head, yeah. man, and yeah. they're just zapping the fuck out of it, right? I see that every day, right? And I just think that in years to come, we're going to look back at this and we're going to go, that crazy guy with the fucking hairy face, man, he knew his shit. This is going to be the new smoking, man. It's gonna, it's, it's, it's going to be, and so much so that in Germany, doctors are saying schools should not have Wi-Fi. They should go back to the wired oh, network, right? And they're saying all this stuff, uh, all these doctors, all this like a thousand doctors or ten thousand doctors got together. I can't remember, and they all got together and they all unitedly said that this is not good because all this research about how, you know. It can break the, the something barrier or something. I'm, I haven't read into it, but I've read a couple of reports. But I just think for sensitive people like ourselves, we should definitely look at uh, getting out of that uh, energy because it is power mm. uh, and it's uh, it's worth mitigating if possible. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I'm going to have to land this plane, Carrie. But uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. It was super fun to hear your story and uh, – you you gave some really well, good. Let's hope it can help. Yeah, well, let's hope it can help some other people. I hope so because I mean I think there's a lot of people you know they may not admit it to themselves but you know hopefully when they kind of hear your story where you came from they can kind of maybe think about their own lives a little bit and yeah maybe start putting more energy into uh, things that serve them rather than yeah so, things that don't. So we've got to actively plan time for meditation and exercise. Okay, we've yeah. got to change our diet to be uh, omega three, six, and nine rich, right? Uh, and we've got to stop living the slave life yeah. uh, that's in, embodied by the the government powers and try to buy back as much of that as we can. And sometimes we can't. And if we can't, just try and feel good about the situation and and think differently if you can, and and do the opposite when necessary. Uh, I think that's a quick recap. So thank you so much. Oh yeah, that's I was going to really say too. So something else yeah I, you know it was my pleasure carrie thanks for reaching back out i wanted to give you some space there i know a few weeks ago you were just like i'm checking out man and i was like right on <laughs> i'll talk to you on the other side 
but I think some, something else we didn't really talk about is, is this right here, like connecting with people, right? I think it's so important. Um, people who struggle with mental health, who, who, who are alone need to find someone to connect with. And, um, I think we can add that to the list of things that we should work harder to, to attain in our lives. And, uh, I consider tonight awesome mental health break connecting with you and I appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. All the best. And, uh, we'll chat on the other side when we I come over to Canada next time. Oh, right on BC Epic 2021. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll have another one. Another we will. Podcast. Yep. Absolutely. Right on. Thanks, Carrie. I want to thank Carrie again for his time and thank all of you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation in however many parts you listen to it in. Um, like I said before on the podcast, uh, I had got some comments in the past about the length, but um, like I say I just, I like leaving it free and uh, I was getting tired there at the end because of the time change and whatnot. I think we've wrapped it up like 1130 at night or something. And I think it was in the middle of the week. So I apologize if I, if I was fading there at the end, but uh a lot of great takeaways in that podcast. And uh, like I said, I hope you enjoy it. And I said at the beginning of the podcast that I wanted to thank Carrie for his vulnerability. You know, it's hard to talk about our mental health issues. And, uh, but I think that it's important to do so. Um, I think mental health issues are, there's a lot of shame put upon people who are, who are depressed. Like, what's wrong with you? Be happy. What's wrong? What's so bad? It's hard to explain to people who don't suffer with depression exactly what's going on. What's rattling around inside your skull so um the shame needs to stop we need to talk about mental health more and uh help each other you know um we're all humans everybody's experience is totally different we're all shaped in so many different ways through you know growing up and through life and um the stress of life affects everyone differently so don't be afraid find someone that's close to you and talk about it talk about your mental health issues. And if you need help, get a therapist. I have a therapist and um, they help immensely. They, they help put things in perspective for you. And, um, you know, they can be a little pricey, but sometimes it's, uh, well, all the time, it's worth the expense. So um, you're not alone. Reach out and um, do something about it, all right? I love you guys. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, tomorrow, if all things go well, I'm going to be talking to Mike Dion, Ride the Divide, 10th year anniversary. And I'm hoping to have that out next week. I'm kind of like putting it out to the universe that everything's going to align and we're going to be able to talk. And uh, that's going to happen, um, yeah, basically tomorrow. It's Saturday morning now and I'm hoping to talk to him tomorrow. And I'm going to get it out ASAP. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got. Got some great conversations coming up as usual. And uh, I want you to subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an episode. You can listen to it. Uh, you can stream it off the website, myback40.org. You can uh, also subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Uh, and also, if you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to give me a five-star rating and a review. It helps me reach more people, and it's going to help me grow. So those of you who have sent voice intros in, five-star ratings and reviews, I love it. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank Cycling 101 and Rebound Cycle for their support. Without all the support I'm getting, I wouldn't be able to do this. And I love it. I love you guys. I love talking to people. I love talking to you. And um, yeah, man, I wish we could just have a big party and all get together. We'll have to do that. Maybe arrange a meetup when the COVID relaxes a little bit more. So yeah. Um, yeah. Take care of yourself. Get out there. Get in the woods. Ride a bike. Go for a walk. 
go go for a walk by yourself you know get out in the forest and just breathe the clean air and uh, appreciate what we have because even though we're depressed and sometimes it feels like we don't have a lot uh, well changes a change of perspective can change all that so get out there and ride bikes everyone keep the rubber side down <laughs>